Well, our reading this morning concerned Mary visiting Elizabeth, having just received the visit herself from the angel Gabriel. This is a time of year when friends and family are often in touch with one another. They might write Christmas cards, or maybe a letter, or these days maybe send an email or a tweet, which is not going sharp, but uh, is using uh, one of the great things on the internet. For us in the 21st century, it can be fairly easy to do that, to send a message over a great distance, or even to travel a great distance to meet up. Yesterday afternoon at uh, at half past two, uh, I used Facebook, and I put a message on my Facebook page on the internet, a status update, saying that the Morrison family, me and Emmeline and my children Noah and Faith, were going to be on the Gift FM at three o'clock. We were having an afternoon with the Morrisons and we were going to talk about different things in our family life and play some Christmas music that we like. And as we started the show, we, we shared some jokes and invited other people to get in touch. And uh, the first text message that came in was a joke from the family of one of the anchor boys that was in my old church in Northampton. But of course it didn't have to be just in this country. It could have been anywhere in the world. It could have been from New Zealand or Australia or maybe even somewhere off this world. I do believe they have an internet connection on the International Space Station. Though I'm not sure if they're listening to the Gift FM. But, you know, there is this possibility of being in touch quite quickly and sharing good news or bad news, but hopefully good news of what's happening. 2,000 years ago, things were quite different. No electronics, even paper made from wood pulp was a bit rare. There was parchment made from animal skins and pith made into papyrus. But you would have to send it by a messenger. There was no postal service. News, therefore, took longer quite often to spread. And it's reasonable to consider that at the start of this reading, Mary had only just heard that her cousin Elizabeth was pregnant. Even though she's six months gone, the family didn't know. It's also fair to imagine that until Mary's arrival at Elizabeth and Zechariah's home in the Judean hill country, Elizabeth would not have heard the news that her young relative is expecting, nor that she was going to be coming for a visit 
I imagine she may well have just turned up. We do not know what motivated Mary to go and see her. Is it simply to share their joyous news together and so engage in mutual encouragement, much like today's parents might, outside of their antenatal class, or perhaps on the internet, on mum's net. Maybe she travels to see what practical help she can lend to the older relative. You know, John's birth is coming close. Or maybe the journey is due to the idea very common until most recent times of a young pregnant woman who was out of wedlock needing to have her embarrassment saved by not being in her own hometown at the time of the birth. Whatever the reason, it is clear that she leaves Nazareth quickly, but not necessarily immediately. On hearing the news that she is to be a mother... She gets ready. Now, some translations would have it seem that she sort of almost stands up and heads out the door and heads straight off. Fortunately, the the NIV doesn't go there. It takes this thing about getting ready, about being prepared for the journey ahead and what's going to happen ahead. And that might have included telling Joseph what was going on in her life. In fact, the Greek might suggest that there's a day or two before she sets off on the journey. It sort of says, in those days, rather than she just gets ready. But what we do certainly see is that once she's got things ready, she hurries to the town. She prepares and departs. Now there are times that we just prepare. That we just go, well I have to do this thing and I have to hurry to do this thing. But first... I'm going to do this task. And I'd better do this as well. And another thing. And another thing. We start to procrastinate. We put it off. We just go, well, yes, that's really what I need to be doing. But first I'll do this. That's not what we're called to do. Mary got ready. And then she hurried. And if we've been called by God or if we're challenged in some way to do something, we do the preparation that's necessary, but then we have to get on with it. She hurries to her cousin's home. And on arrival, with Mary barely saying a word, only issuing a greeting... Elizabeth knows that something is happening. She knows in two ways. 
we have a leap for joy inside the womb. And the leap is um, a phrase that sort of appears a couple of times. It's, it's also the same leap as the mountain skipping in the Psalms. You know, it comes to a point where there's such joy because of the Lord that the mountains skip like a ram. That would uh, be more than butterflies in the tummy, wouldn't it? A mountain leaping. And there's also a time of a certain pair of twins struggling to see who's going to come out first. And again, this is the kind of leaping and lurching about in the mother's womb that Elizabeth experiences. So that's one way that she knows something is going on. But there's another too. The Holy Spirit comes upon her. The Holy Spirit comes upon Elizabeth. It's as if it's anointing her to bring the good news even before the birth. It is Elizabeth's son who will in time follow in the spirit and power of Elijah. But here, on encountering Mary, the spirit comes upon Elizabeth and she speaks prophetically. She takes on that role of a prophet and shares God's word. She knows that Mary is pregnant. That news possibly hasn't reached her. Mary herself won't be showing yet. She's only just discovered herself. But Elizabeth knows that Mary is pregnant. And she knows that it will be a son. And that this son is to be the Christ. That Mary is to be the mother of her Lord. And this declaration, this prophetic word, would give Mary the affirmation that she needed. With the word and the witness of a pregnant Elizabeth giving a double reassurance of what's happening to her and that the word of the angel was true. And it's also an example that God calls all people, young and old, male and female. We get used to the male prophets. We don't hear very much about female ones, but here Elizabeth takes on that role and speaks God's word. The two women are both expectant mothers, but they're expecting more than the birth of their sons. They are now aware 
that God is bringing forth his plan. The waiting time has not simply been nine months, but the gestation for the Christ has been many generations of God's people. Hundreds of years have been spent waiting for the birth of this infant and the one that goes before him. They've been thinking, God's people have been thinking of the promises of the Lord. There's been much anticipation for the anointed one. But now a due date is known. And it will be soon. We wait for Christ's second coming. We don't know when that will be. Only the Father in heaven knows when that will be. And so we wait expectantly, anticipating, just as those people 2,000 years ago waited for the Christ to come. But now, for them, for Mary and Elizabeth, they know when the Messiah would be with them. And the promises of old contain promises that there will be not just one man, but there will be a change come to humanity. Mary is said to be blessed in bringing this change. Blessed to be chosen for the special purpose. And she uses a couple of words as she's speaking. Blessed in the way that we do a blessing at the end of the service. Blessed that we might go out and serve. But also that word that we sometimes say is blessed. The word that Jesus used to say of people being blessed. Blessed are the oppressed, the poor, the meek, those who mourn. They will be blessed. And that's the word that Elizabeth is using to Mary. The women of this passage are seeing a change already happening. For Elizabeth, there is hope that there will be an acceptance by her peer group, by the other older women. And for her husband, there might be an acceptance by the men. A fortnight ago, in the evening service, we thought of how before the birth of Samuel... Hannah had been without a child and that it would in her day have brought shame on the family and led to unkind things being said. I'm sure the same would have been said about Elizabeth and of her husband Zechariah. There would have been at that time a sense of shame upon the family for not having had a child. But the Lord lifts them and gives them hope. With Mary, an, un, an unmarried, young, pregnant girl, she finds that whereas she would normally be rejected 
even by her family, this distant family welcome her. She is welcomed and even spoken to in reverential tones. It should have been the young who paid respect to the old. But here that is turned on its head. Why am I so favoured? Elizabeth asks of the girl. There's a turning around of the ways of the world when Christ is in the situation. And it's this same humility that showed by Elizabeth towards Mary that we thought of last week, a Sunday morning, when John was saying, I'm not worthy to untie the sandals. And it's something that we can each ask. Why am I so favoured that the Lord would come to me? Because the Lord has come for you. Not just for humanity as a whole. But he's come for you individually. For each one of you here. Each one of the people outside. That our sins might be forgiven. That we me can have new life it's that same thing we thought of last week and it's for the same reason because God loves us and wants us to come close to him to turn from what is wrong and to go his way for us to play our part in the changing of the world a changing of the world coming piece by piece as well as that great vision for the future of Christ's return. The story of his coming is for young and old. It's life-changing because it's not simply about a baby. Mind you, babies themselves are life-changing as any family that's had one knows and they're not simple but it's not a simple story it's the story of Emmanuel God with us God choosing to be with us coming to bring change in our hearts in our lives and throughout his world may you know that change May you know that hope. And may you know that joy of the first Christmas. As God's love and peace came to earth. May you discover something of that this year. Amen.